Sonic Statesman.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sonic Talk number 131. Um, after last week's uh, technical fiasco, um, if you were listening live, you might have heard our network went down halfway through the show, but uh, not so this week. All seems to be fine so far. And I'm joined by lots of people in the live chat room, which, incidentally, if you haven't been already, it's a great place to come and hang out and listen to the show and sort of participate in a textual sense. So head over to sonicstate.com forward slash live and you can join us there obviously it'll be too late if you're listening to this now but we'll be there next week so you can join us then i think that's about right isn't it so anyway my first guest i have a a uniquely u.s centric uh, audience this week uh, because dave spears is playing tennis and non-eric said he was going to be able to make it but uh, didn't didn't so i'm pleased to be able to announce let's start with pj tracy from pjtracymusic.com in over in minneapolis how's things pj Ah, things are fantastic. It's been uh, pretty busy around here lately, and uh, I'm very grateful for that. And uh, my studio mate, Jim Grafsgaard, who's a, a very talented visual artist, just returned from wintering in Mexico. So it's been uh, a rush of activity around here lately. Cool. Wintering in Mexico. That sounds like the sort of thing That's... people used to do in the uh, early 20th century. He's a very early 20th century kind of guy. Nice. Um, usually around November or December, he packs a, a couple of bags and heads down to Mexico, and he has some friends down there in different parts of the country, and he resides with them throughout the winter and paints and sculpts, and then he returns to the U.S. when, uh, well, in Minnesota, it's always difficult to tell, but some, somewhere around the middle to the end of May, you can pretty much guarantee it's not going to get down below 40 degrees Fahrenheit anymore. Mm. Well, I hope he didn't bring any uninvited uh, bacterial guests with him, obviously, things being as they are in Mexico. Yeah, thankfully he did not. (laughs) So you've got plenty to do, plenty of work on. So PJ, uh, pjtracymusic.com is where you can find all things to do with PJ. And also this week, I've got Rich Hilton from Connecticut, from Camp Chic and um, Le Crib, where he works with Nile Rogers on a daily basis. (laughs) How are you, Rich? I'm good. Very well, thank you. Oh, glad to hear it. Um, well, PJ and Rich um, are with me. I, hands maybe show up um, a bit later on, but uh, right now it's it's a cosy trio, and I'm very happy I am to to have you this way. First of all, I'm going to start off with um, last week we had a bit of a curious sort of banjo type type laughing gnome um, answer phone message, and I uh, I wondered who it was from, and this I think you'll find is the answer. Hey, Nick, I was uh, so inspired by your tumbleweed clips that I went out and got a banjo and tried to put together a tumbleweed moment, but take some practice. Uh, that's Dave in Richmond, and I really like your show. Thanks. Now we know who it was. It was Dave in Richmond, Virginia, and I think uh, phoned in, I think it was episode 84, and um, with some Chaosolator and uh, Dave Smith Evolver action. So that's who it was. Yay! Thanks, Dave. I like the fact that he actually was so inspired by the show, he bought himself a banjo. 700 buck banjo. Wow. Wow. That's kind of the sort of influence we have over people. Kind of a bit sad that it wasn't some kind of electronic music instrument, but, you know, banjo is fine. (laughs) Doesn't somebody in Sweden have a software banjo written? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe so. banjoist or something? (laughs) Mm, I'm sure there's probably an iBanjo as well somewhere. There you go. That's right. You shake shake your iPhone and... Maybe we should make an eye tumbleweed. Um, 
application. Oh, that's a great application. Something like that. I <laughs> so anyway, that's the that's the mystery solved. So thanks, Rich in uh, in Richmond. No, Dave in Richmond, not Rich in Richmond. Rich in Davemond. No, Dave in Richmond. Thank you very much. <laughs> so um, okay, well let's let's make a first start. Let's have a look. See where I am first. Um, That was a, a Mobius music box, uh, which is kind of wild because uh, it was made by a guy called Ranjit... Now, if I pronounce this rightly, Ranjit Batnajar. He works with interactive sound inst- installations had exhibited in Berkeley, Belgium, Queens, New York, and Brooklyn. Brooklyn. It's based on a Mobius strip. So the idea is it's like a little music um, music box thing, but it's got a Mobius strip, which is, uh, if anyone knows, is a piece of paper or ribbon flipped over to um, create a shape which only has one side and one edge. And it allows you to, when you poke a tune into it, uh, you can, you end up with the tune that's played upside down and backwards, then backwards, then upside down, then backwards again, over and over again forever. And you can buy a kit for this for 15, for 15 bucks on Amazon, which gives you a little strip that you can sort of write your own um, tunes into. Rich, you found this. <laughs> I loved it. Did you? Have you got one? No. Oh. No, but the the merging of some sort of MC Escher-like geometrical shape with a traditional bell-playing, hole-punch, you know, music-making device. It's got a certain sweetness about it, hasn't it? And Yeah, and it's while it's not quite random, you're going to hear perhaps results you don't expect, unless you're somebody like J.S. Bach who writes something like a mirror fugue where you can hold it up to a mirror and it works too. But, you know, I'm not quite that far, you know, (laughs) in my head. So I'm not quite sure what's going to happen when I flip one end over, attach the ends and put it into the music box. So I kind of like that. I I like the semi-random yet ordered nature of the whole thing. Yeah, I quite like the, uh, I like the, it sort of has a great gift potential, doesn't it? Did anyone recognise the tune? Because it says, does anyone recognise the tune? And I have absolutely no idea what it was. PJ, help us out. Uh, I don't know what it is either, but uh, I thought it was absolutely gorgeous. And as far as gift potential, I'm going to order one right away and put a tune in it for my niece, who just turned six months old. Aww. And it re- it reminded me, and I'm glad we had this topic, that um, I had done some research a while back on companies that allow you to make custom-made music boxes by punching, you know, punching holes in paper. So this is uh, it's wonderful. Gorgeous yeah, little piece. Nice of little thing. Nice little thing, I thought. Anyway, um, you can get, I'll put the link in the show notes. You can get uh, it for 15 bucks via Amazon. Nice, simple. And also, there is another sort of electromechanical theme to the, uh, to the show, because the next topic, we're whiz- whizzing through these first couple, because uh, um, there's not much more to say about the Mobius, unless, Rich, you've got anything no. else to add? No, no, no. Okay. No, please. This was the James Taylor drum machine, which I, I know you mentioned previous, but I'd never seen it before until you sent the link. So here it comes. Putting this uh, evening together, uh, we we knew that we wanted to stay as acoustic as possible, you know, and, and, uh, and we made an early decision to uh, to try to avoid any kind of uh, you know electronic uh, no matter what, absolutely no drum machines whatsoever. You know that was going to be right out. 
course, we, we caved in immediately. This next song features the drum scene. James Taylor from 2005, uh, 2007 tour where he was playing in Leicester in the UK and he wheeled out his drum machine and uh, that was something that they made uh, specifically for the tour and I think Rich did you say you'd seen that or was it just a, a, YouTube, a YouTube video uh, that you saw it at have you seen it in the flesh never seen it in the flesh it was a YouTube experience for me uh, there are a number of different shows in which you can see him wheeling that bad boy out on stage. I guess it was a regular part of that solo-ish tour that he did sure. with one accompanying keyboardist and a, and a guitar and that thing. Imagine the cartage. <laughs> I know, I was thinking about that. I mean, just, imagine you know, it's, it's got to be, I mean, it's got to be similar to a piano in weight, I would imagine, but oh, yeah. infinitely more delicate and snappable. And I mean, what, I know what the flight case shape was like, or whether it kind of clips together exactly. in from smaller boxes. It, or are you flying private planes? I mean, because you be- you almost better be <laughs> flying like you know. Do you think it's know, a bit like extravagant? A C one thirty. I not if it rocks his world because he's the artist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that Seriously. is probably that. Yeah, no, I, he's I guess James what Taylor, saying. and we're not. You know what I mean? Yeah, Whatever no, he wants, is fine th- with me. I think that's 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 a good point. Was a bit out of time though. Could have done with a bit of tweaking. I thought. I mean, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm just sort of so tuned into the grid that I can't help but notice, but I would have thought that it should have been able to be a bit more groovy. Well, maybe he needs one of those enormous ribbons with holes in it, twisted <laughs> around and retaped at the other end to run yeah. the things, that it plays <laughs> random patterns. <laughs> needs a bit of filing going on there. <laughs> PJ, what do you think? Ah, it's amazing. Uh, I think uh, ext- extravagant... Maybe not. I agree with Rich. Hey, he's the artist. But uh, wow, what a what a feat for uh, a one one part of your show, you know, to have to haul that thing around and and put it together or do whatever they have to do to prep that thing behind stage before they wheel it out every night. It's uh, it's pretty uh, pretty amazing. I can't imagine. But there was a guy who sort of presented it at the sort of the the right comedy moment. Um, yeah. But did you know? Uh, I was looking into this, and did you know that James Taylor actually, or at least claims. Um, claims that he ma- he designed and invented this. He says, uh, when people think of a drum machine, they think of something that's made up of bits and bytes. But I designed and built and built this Rube Goldberg kind of thing, big kinetic sculpture, bigger than a piano. It's a revolving drum with big fins attached to the outside that activate and actually play the drums for four bars. It scared the hell out of me first time we used it, but it works great. <laughs> in his wood shop out in Martha's Martha's Vineyard. Yeah, He's, I can uh, imagine designing gigantic drum machines. The man with a lot of time on his hands. A lot of what time. We don't just know about. 
What we don't know about James Taylor is he's also responsible for those animatronic robots that play at all the pizza joints around the U.S. <laughs> he's a consultant for Motorola. They're going to be breaking out fire and rain any day now at the pizza place. Yeah, yeah maybe he's just angling for the startup tune of the next chipset. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> then, just, he can, then he can retire and build, build uh, giant bionic drum machines. Just incidentally, I love James Taylor. have met him, and he's a wonderful man. He seems like a really nice guy, and I, I like yes. her a lot of it. She's got a great voice. I remember it, it, he's one of those people that uh, that age has changed enormously because he was. He, I mean, he was a very hairy man, shall we say? He was kind of long, <laughs> long haired, kind of canyon, <laughs> canyon dude, and it was a can bit of relate? a shock. Well, I can relate, uh, but it was a relate. bit of a shock for me uh, to see him sort of so follically challenged. Again, so after is, all this time. So it's sort is of, that why I get those looks when I walk into the high school reunion? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same as me, Rich. Although, to be honest, I was never um, quite... Carly Simon fodder in the same way that James Taylor was, so perhaps he had more to lose than I did. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> but... Anyway, so he made it, he built it, he plays it live. I don't know if he still uses it, but uh, I guess maybe after that one tour, the uh, the idea went a bit kind of um, flat, and he decided maybe the shipping was a kind of not such a not such a great idea. I don't know. Do you think do you think you'd learn from something like that, or would you go no next time? I want to make two of them and try and synchronize them or whatever. I think his <laughs> next his next invention is a large wooden cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. Yeah. Maybe he could have a ringtone player, a wooden yeah. ringtone player live. So, yeah, good. good plan. With, inter- with interchangeable tetrahedron tapes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nice. I like it. So I'd like to say thank you very much to uh, our current sponsor, the first of our two sponsors, uh, Roland.co.uk. And they are, as ever, um, they're still interested in you checking out the vSynch GT patch vote, uh, which is a competition where you get to see a number of uh, talented individuals in the form of the Planet Roland guys who are based in sort of UK stores. They're like stores within stores. They're kind of product experts. And basically figuring out how to get the best from the new vSynth GT version 2 operating system, which is quite a stupendous update, a free update, by I'd like to add. And what they've been given is a single vocal sample, and they've got to then create a bunch of patch or a patch out of it on video. And we get to go and vote on it, and uh, you can win yourself a Boss Micro BR, but at the same time being educated in the way of the vSynth GT OS 2. So head over to roland.co.uk vSynth GT patch vote, that's roland.co.uk vsynth gt patch vote can you tell i've been working on that because that used to really trip me up and i could never get it out and i, I well, i'm determined to say it without having to do any edits and i think i made it this week so yeah, i want to yeah. say thank you very much again Ooh. to roland um for the sponsorship and the vsynth gt is really quite a remarkable operating system up to it. it has got dual core processor did you know that i never knew that until i mentioned it a couple of weeks ago free amp sim did anyone get a chance to check out the acme bar gig plugin Ooh. Um, no. Oh. oh, I feel a tumble. All right. Well, I feel that I should can at I, least... Can I confess something to you? I never received show notes this week. Really? Not? Oh, that's a bit tragic, isn't it? Which would sort of lead to my not having <laughs> been familiar with most of these things. Okay. I, I, too, I, I too would like to make a confession. I, I did get the show notes, and that, that seems to be the one topic that escaped my 
my scanning because <laughs> hey, I think, hey, I think, I hey think look I'm I've just happy you guys are here you know 10 minutes ago we didn't have anybody so you know this is <laughs> I'm just grateful uh, well I think we could have um just a sort of honorary tumbleweed moment then and we'll pass this one up until perhaps we have um a little more real life experience so I'll I'll talk over this one this of course is our uh Howard Scar tumbleweed designed moment Howard Scar being one of the finest sound designers known to man or to synthesizers patch designers I'd say and he made this for us after I met him at Frankfurt Music Messer where he made himself known to me he was working on the uh, the Yuhi Zebra 2 synthesizer where he's done a lot of patch design ah Lovely. Anyway, um, so let's move swiftly on. Um, let's have a look. What's next? I think what could be next? Oh, the fu- the funky synth, the funky synth instrument. I'll play this. ditty um was something i knocked up 10 minutes before the show using uh waldorf attack which uh, was recommended when i was looking for some drum sounds which i bought for 24 quid which i thought was a bargain and also the sin plant which is from sonic charge you also make the u tonic sort of drum machine and um it's an amazing synthesizer i mean not amazing in the sense that the sounds are particularly wild although that's there, there are i mean you know that was inspiring enough for me to just kind of throw that together it's quite ambient lots of reverb and stuff that was done with five instances i think i had five instances running on my laptop and it hardly touched the cpu uh, but it's got this really weird and unique way of interfacing with the sound where you sort of plant a seed and then you kind of drag these 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 little spots over their kernels i think they're called up and down the, the the timeline for each note and then you can clone different ones or have different sounds on different notes it's quite it's quite hypnotising and captivating. Do, have, you, have you checked any of these out, Rich? Have you had a chance to... Th- well, you probably won't because you didn't see, the, you didn't see well, the show notes, did you? I'm looking at Sinplant now. Oh, bless you. It bless is, you. It is very interesting looking. It looks uh, fabulous. I love this little DNA strand looking thing that sort of represents dots on a page, almost like that original mechanical thing we started with. You know, like the, the twist oh, yeah. and strand. Well, well uh, that's the, one, the the thing. It's got a DNA um, view, which looks beautiful. And it's like a helix um, chain where each dot on it represents a synth parameter, which is all well and good. It's a bit difficult to navigate, but it looks beautiful, really beautiful. And it does kind of mean that you end up with sounds that you wouldn't normally end up with, I think. And you sort of generate these random seeds, and then you start moving the, the, the dots around at that point, And it just kind of gets you to sounds that um that you're not likely to find anywhere else pj uh i think it's beautiful i i would love to see developers take a cue from this and create even wilder and wackier or at least uh parallel uh user interfaces so 
then from what you're saying, Nick, it looks like if you you generate a seed and then you're able to kind of germinate that seed or several of them and then you choose a direction that you want to go into go in and if you want to gain uh, a, a higher level of control over the the individual sounds you can move into the dna view and you have actual yeah. uh, modulation routing and that kind of thing and you're able to to figure that out pretty quickly and, and get pre- fairly specific yeah basically i mean it's quite interesting that it's got a chromatic wheel effectively that represents an octave and you can start on any note and you just click and press and you hear the sound and then you move the 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 um there's various faders around the wheel which are for tonality timber effects and that sort of thing and you just move it in in a direction and if you like that sound you can clone it to the rest of the tone wheel or you could create a very slightly different version of that sound for each note of the key so you could be playing a chord where each note has effectively a discrete synthesizer to play it if you see what that's beautiful that's beautiful and and that's what's so kind of funky about it. And I, I mean, I literally, all I did with that one was ri- flip through a few patches. I just had the little Korg um, nano key thing on the laptop and just threw a few things down. And it, it it's quite an inspiring... I don't know, maybe it's because of the organics nature of it. It's quite inspiring to work with because it feels nice, even though it's not... I mean, it's only basically, as far as I can tell, like a two or three oscillator synthesizer with kind of filter and some good, some funky kind of cross-modulation uh, um, concepts but aside from that there's nothing that special apart apart from the interface it also we, sounds pretty good as yes. far as a software synthesizer is concerned i think it sounds pretty darn good it does sound quite nice did you d- yeah. I d- d- is it available i didn't check to see if it was available for i think it's windows vst isn't it it's au and windows 89 bucks wow mm-hmm. and you can download it you bet they've got quite an interesting demo method which is you download it you get to use it for three weeks and that's three weeks of door time, and when that runs out, then by presumably by that time you're going to be um, you're going to be so into it you can't live without it. So then you'll just you know <laughs> buy it. <laughs> so Nick, as as you've used it, did you would you say it's more of a an, uh, sound generating platform or a compositional tool or both? I'd say it's more for composition. It, it's not likely you're not going to sit it and go right. I need a sound which has a has this. You know, it's more an exploratory, explorational, compositional uh-huh. sound environment. It's not really going to be a place to start. You know, synthesizing from from in a modular sense. So you go right. I need a sound like this. And although I'm sure you can do it if you're in DNA view, but I think you know you're not you're not going to get as much joy out of it. It's not like that side of things. Right. Will How it long- sync? I'm sorry, PJ. Oh, Will no, it please. sync to existing sequences? That's the part I don't know. Oh, I'm not sure I understand with you. What? Um... In other words, can I lock it to, you know, when I open it as a VST or an AU, can yeah. I lock it to my, to, uh, to my, you know, sequence page? And uh, I, you must be able to based on what I'm hearing with the drum machine. Oh, so, what? Yeah. So in terms of... Um... It's tempo uh, th- and, yeah, 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 yeah. and automating I, parameters and things I, I, of that. I, th- I think so. I'd have to check the automating parameters, yeah. but I'm sure you must be able to, if it's an AU, it would have to stick to the um, AU uh, protocol and allow you to access to those parameters. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is quite hard to edit with the DNA view. I mean, you look at it and you go, wow, this is cool. And you go, uh, where's the filter? I can't find it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But very nice. If you, um, it, did you spend some time just, just sitting around and tweaking you know are you able to 
to move between uh, a vast variety of soundscapes within that within the program, or is it is it fairly limited in terms no, of there, its... there, there are there's i mean it seemed to have some so, erring on the sort of ambient side but also it's quite good at atonal rhythmic stuff because you can actually have a variation on each note you can almost create a 12 a 12 piece electronic kit from it okay i mean with variation in terms of variations of of a you know say a white noise kind of blip sound and then you can make that longer and shorter depending on what you've done for each of the notes so you do you you have got Kind of, there's quite a percussive element to it as well. Because if you've got something that has no pitch, you can have different variations of that on each note. Wonderful. But yeah, lovely, lovely bit of visualization as well. Brilliantly, uh, brilliantly done. Uh, apparently, they also make the Utonic, which I haven't checked out, which is a sort of blip uh, electronic drum sequencer kind of thing. SonicCharge.com for sin slash Sinplant. <laughs> That's the ubiquitous Lady Gaga there with Poker Face, which uh, I don't know, storming up the charts in the UK. I don't know what she does in the US. Is she, is she a popular beat combo in the US charts? You're asking the wrong guy here. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> PJ. I would. She could be, for all I know. <laughs> you know, the, the first time that that I'd even heard one of her songs was uh, I read something about her in Electronic Musician magazine or or something or other a couple of months ago, and I went and checked out her stuff. So I'm I'm not certain as far as you know whether or not she's big in the pop charts here, but I hadn't I hadn't heard her. If she's been in an Electronic Music magazine, she must be big somewhere in the UK. Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, that was only really an excuse to play that because uh, I think she's quite. She's very <laughs> crass, and I, I'm a big pop fan, and I think you know she's she's definitely got the uh, the vibe. But it was a it was a thread on Gearsluts.com, which is uh, a sort of pro electronic music uh, board, um, and it was just a question by a chap called Hope Two Hundred Nine, who just sort of said. Is the virus kind of the synth of the moment? Certainly, I'm thinking in terms of, you know, the, the genre. It seems to be kind of very, very prevalent at the moment. And it got me thinking about, you know, what else is there in terms of kind of current hardware synths that everybody, or even software ones, that everybody must have and is the sound of the moment. And I wondered if anybody had any thoughts on that, um, whether they noticed anything. Because it seems like the virus, you know, you can label on... on uh, Timberland, a lot of places, you know, a lot of and, uh, the Neptunes, lots of people are using it for a kind of in-your-face synth pop sound. Is there anything else? Do you have you come across anything else, PJ? I mean, could you recommend anything else that could do that, or anything that, in the same way that the you know the DX7 used to be so ubiquitous? Is what is it that there is now? I mean, or do we have we is that time gone? Uh, no, I think there's a couple of products. I mean, not strictly a synthesizer, but. Um the ubiquitous nature of stylus rmx sort of hits me uh i hear it all the time i hear patches unaltered in in movie scores and pop tracks and hip-hop and and all kinds of all kinds of productions um that's one uh one piece of kit that i think is on a lot of a lot of different records uh-huh. i had this conversation with john bowen a couple months ago actually because he had visited um Hans zimmer's guys uh after nam uh-huh. And they were they were saying that uh, they believe that the the zebra 
Zebra 2 synthesizer is fairly comparable to the virus in terms of uh, in terms of tonality, or you, you're able to at least eke out some of those sounds. I don't know. I don't have any any personal experience with that synthesizer, so uh, he had suggested that that might be one. Absinthe and Omnisphere are two synths that I believe I'm hearing on on a lot of commercials, and uh, I, I haven't heard a lot of it. Um, you know, filter into into what I've heard of pop music yet, but I'm sure I'm sure they probably will. It's the because... sort of one note um, music bed kind of vibe, I suppose, with yeah. things like absinthe, isn't it? I remember that's got kind of it's got multi stage envelopes and all sorts of clever, long evolving um, stuff mm-hmm. under the hood, right? Yep, mm-hmm. yep. And so you hear that a lot in film scores you have for a couple of years. A lot of uh, a lot of absinthe. Um, other than that, uh, I'm not sure. I really must get zebra and give it some give it some time because i really like the sound of it and i'm because i did review the virus ti snow which is obviously the same engine and incidentally there's a new os out for the virus uh, ti os3 um rich i don't know from the standpoint of what's being most commonly used but i do know that there is such an extraordinary range of choices at this point that the context in which anything takes place is much different than during the DX7 time where you were just sort of leaving Prophet 5 CS80 world. Yeah. And uh, memory, you know, uh, actually DX7 and memory mode, memory mode had just come before DX7, as I recall. And, uh, and sort of uh, all, all of which preceded D50, which took the next left turn. But, but uh, there was so much more now to reach for. You know, you could do you could do it. I mean, from the standpoint of could you do it with anything? You could do it with almost anything at this point. I'm not sure I want to do that kind of music with absinthe exclusively. But, but um, you know, in hardware, you've got Profit 08, and you've got Poly Evolver, and you've got a lot of interesting hardware products. And in software, you've got like tons of stuff, and everybody's generally including one with their software package these days, sure. at least one. And it's down at that point when it goes beyond the gear, it's down to the imagination of the user because I think you could use almost any one of these things to make that sort of texture if you put your mind to it. Yeah, I, I, I'm, and somebody mentioned uh, Native Instruments in there. Apparently Native Instruments Massive, which I've not had a chance to play with that much. That's being, that's quite a big synth. Uh, certainly, I think it was being used a lot in drum and bass and kind of, you know, that deep, deeper sort of techno stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and I thought I saw something today about a new pack of grooves for Massive coming oh, really? out. Oh, really? No, I haven't seen that one. Hmm. Hmm. I, I believe I saw it in Twitter, and I thought it was you who posted it, Nick. But um, it may have come through the Twitter feed. I don't post every uh, every item think uh, personally by hand. It does come through for other people as well. But uh, oh, I see. But yeah. I know if you're interested in the in the sound of the virus TI specifically, um, there is a software synthesizer called. It's by Leonard Digital called the Silent O One. Oh, I've and, heard. Uh, yeah, I've heard about it. Yeah, and I haven't had any personal experience with it other than listening to the demos on their website. But it's it's not spot on, but it's very close to the textures of the virus uh, for about two hundred dollars US. Wow, and of course there was a that when they didn't they do a TDM version or a was it a power core version as well of the I virus believe, itself? I believe yes, I believe yeah, so. I did. I have the TDM one. Oh, you do? Yeah, you have yeah. or you had? I have. Okay. I don't. What? What? And is it based on? Is it a new engine or is it's, it still based on the B or the C? Well, I don't know that, but I do know that it 
was reissued at some point as Virus Indigo. Um, uh, okay, yeah. As apart from the original Virus release, which I also had. And uh, I can't even tell you deeply what the differences are, except I can still reach for it whenever I, whenever I need that sort of direct, you know, bright kind of oscillator thing going on like it's that. definitely i mean it it's hard to beat for that particular kind of sound of course uh, nords are worth mentioning as well and um, there's lots of suggestions going on in the chat room which incidentally if you've never been there sonicstate.com forward slash live around 4 p.m on a wednesday afternoon uh, but yes the virus ti os3 is out and that was a kind of homage topic to it it's got new effects additional distortion types tape delay and a ring shifter amongst other things I wasn't sure whether to do this uh, dragon um, MIDI dragon controller. Do we want to do this, or could we? Do, do we want to um, do something else? Does anybody? I guess Rich, you probably haven't had a chance to check that out. Whereas well, PJ I'm may looking, have. <laughs> I'm furiously typing to try to figure out what <laughs> what we're about to look, you know deal in. We didn't we discuss something similar to this at one point. There was another controller that. Uh, was was being developed. Uh, That's and right. I, it was, I forget what it was. It just had X in it yeah. or something, wasn't it? And you could stick knobs right. onto a touchscreen, and they would just kind of present yeah. their values wherever you popped them. Yeah. Whereas this yeah. is a, th- this has been made by a guy called Paul Egidio, who I think is Brazilian, and he basically took apart a, B- a Behringer BCR two thousand, created a kind of overlay for an LCD, and. Um, use the knobs to control the parameters on the screen. And it kind of generated a lot of interest, but there seems to be very little other information. It's a sort of one-off kind of thing, and it must be using MIDI, I guess, because that's what the brains of it would have come with, you know, from the Behringer point of view. But uh, it looked kind of fun, and possibly, you know, hints in a direction that things could go. Hmm. Yeah, it's a really interesting concept. I mean, as it stands, you have to do a lot uh, to it to make it workable. I mean, the the one thing that I found, uh, first of all, I just like to say I think I think anybody doing this kind of thing is absolutely ingenious, and and kudos to him for having having accomplished what he did. But what he has there is essentially um, you, he's got a Cubase running with with these two separate controllers that he has. One that sort of inc- controls the the functionality the basic functionality of the daw selecting channels selecting sends um selecting fader groups that kind of thing and the other for for controlling plugins that has an actual knob interface on an lcd the problem with his interface as it stands is that you actually have to use an sdk to create uh a separate interface that appears on the lcd screens of his controllers to be able to use these things and they are different and apart from the user interface inside of Cubase or inside of your plugins, your VST plugins or AU plugins, if you were using it. So I think you would have to learn another user interface, become comfortable with that user interface, and then integrate that into your workflow. And it's not that we're, it, that's not uncommon, but when it's controlling the same piece of software that has a separate user interface within the DAW environment, I, I, I would think that that would just become confusing. Yeah, I don't think I need any more confusion or layers of interpretation, really. I like the idea that it kind of integrates something that actually is physical against the software a little bit more, but it, it it's probably not quite there yet. But uh, well done for kind of creating something that actually works from sort of taking apart a few boxes and sticking them together. That's pretty yeah. impressive. 
It's amazing. Uh, that's the Dragon MIDI controller. If you do some searches on YouTube, I'll, I'll dig out some um, some some links because uh, I know that Peter Kern over at Create Digital Music uh, did a little piece on it and uh, Synthtopia. You know, it has been posted and commented on previously, um, but nothing's been heard of it since. Okay, well, uh, it's time to introduce the second of our show sponsors. Uh, we're very proud and pleased to uh, welcome Loopmasters.com, who are number one website and sample D- CD distributor dedicated to bringing you the most inspirational collections of royalty-free sounds and samples from some of the top producers worldwide. They've got a whole different kind of styles, lots of different f- break and loop formats. So you just want to head over to loopmasters.com and see what they've got. Uh, they release titles almost every month. There's tons of it. And uh, there's a, still a chance to sign up for the 800 megabyte voucher where you'll get uh, 800 megabytes of free loops by sending an email to info at loopmasters.com with the subject sonic state vip that's info at loopmasters.com with the subject sonic state vip they'll send you a code and then you'll get access to this about 800 megabytes of samples uh, from these special coupons which are in fact hardware based and running out so there's only a limited amount of time before they will be no more and also, they want to uh, let you know that there's video number three in their podcast, uh, which they put on looptv.net, and they check out with Hope Records DJ remixer and progressive electronica star Jody Wistonoff from way out west, who actually from Bristol, just up the road, and got a massive collection of analog synths. Uh, they talk sample production and see how uh, the, the diary for 2009 is shaping up. They also get a peek at the soon-to-be-released packs from Full Cycle Records from Ronnie Size and New Jazz and Club Act, the part-time heroes. And you also get a tutorial session from uh, Focusrite and Ableton product specialist Rob Jones and they start with drum pattern manipulation in Live 8 so head over to looptv.net and uh, download your free podcast from loopmasters.com right that's the ads out of the way we're free to do whatever we want (laughs) and that thing will be I think we should play let me see I want to play the um, oh where is it the Kong that's kind of an exciting and unusual instrument That's the sound of the Chinese Sheng, which is uh, a new instrument from Kong Audio, who are a Chinese manufacturer. Uh, it's hard to describe. Um, I'm not familiar with a lot of um, Chinese traditional instruments, but this thing kind of looks like a gourd with a pipe sticking out of it and loads of tubes. It sort of reminds me a little bit of one of, a sort of fantasy instrument by um, Peter Blake or one of the Yellow Submarine kind of animators. It's sort of unusual looking and unusual sounding. It sounds like a bit like a sort of harmonica stroke melodica, but Chinese version. It's uh, 3,000 years old, goes back 3,000 years, and it's 60 bucks from Kong Audio. They do a lot of traditional stuff. And um, aside from what you may think of it or not, what's the most difficult or impossible or most unlikely instrument to be modelled, and what would you like to see that hasn't been? I'll let PJ go first, because I imagine that Rich might wish to check out the link, which I will send him. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at it now. Oh, cool. 
Oh, uh, well, I have a love-hate relationship with sample libraries and, and modeled acoustic instruments. Uh, I think we're, we're on the cusp, possibly, of something that, that's approaching the, uh, our, our ability to inter- interpret the way that an acoustic instrument can electronically to a, cert- to a certain degree. And at this point, if you sort of play to the strengths of the libraries, um, you can get some really, really impressive results out of the current crop of multi-sampled instruments and some of the modeled instruments. Um, Kong Audio being among some of the very best uh, of the developers out there that I'm aware of. I I think they they do a very good job at a very good price point. Um, I have one of their percussion libraries. Um, But that being said, I would love to see somebody and. I have some, some a few ideas on maybe how it could be done, but that could really get in and model um, an acoustic guitar the the way that that I personally would like to 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 see it modeled and played. You know, where you can get uh, extremely subtle melodic and legato lines um, from the acoustic guitar and uh, retain sort of the resonance of the body of the guitar. And I, I, I think a lot of people have done an admirable job of, att- of attempting to, to do it within certain contexts so far. But to my ears, I still haven't heard one that's convincing. Yeah, the uh, applied acoustic systems is kind of getting there, isn't it? It's, with every kind of iteration, it seems to get better and better. Yeah, it's good. But they, yeah, they, the, their electric stuff is better, am I right? Is the acoustic stuff still, because it's so naked and it's, we all know what they sound like, it's, it's actually probably quite hard to emulate correctly. Yeah. The, I'm not uh, sure. the, the applied acoustics thing sounds pretty good. And virtual guitar, much as I made light earlier, virtual guitarist is actually quite nice too. I mean, uh, does any of it replace Nile Rodgers? No, but it's yeah. nice to have around. When he's on holiday, maybe. <laughs> no, I'll, then I'll strap something on. I'll strap a guitar on, shall I say. I hope, and, it, I uh, hope it's a guitar, yes. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, have a go. But uh, I have great hopes for modeling, and particularly lately as relates to pianos, but as relates to all of this kind of stuff. I, I have great hopes for modeling. I, I think that sampling has now reached a point where we can see all the way through to its strengths and weaknesses, and it has both. And the strengths are the realism of each individual recording and the ability now to create such large instruments that you don't ever have to loop anything, and you can sample things at all different kinds of velocity ranges and at all different kinds of audio ranges, including right down to every single note at you know 12 to 30 different velocity levels, say, in a, in a piano. Mm-hmm. But, so... Uh, we know how great all, you know, whatever, 4,000 of those samples sound at full length with no looping, and they do sound wonderful, especially when you hit them one at a time. It's what happens when you hit a whole bunch of them that differentiates the result you get from a real piano, in the case of a piano. And so what interests me, and I've, I know I've made this point before, so what interests me about modeling that is once they can get close enough to the attack realism, that as samples do, that what happens behind the attack is seems so much more like what happens in the body of a piano to me yeah. than, than what happens playing the world's greatest piano sample sets. And this would apply to guitar as well, because guitar samples sound great, but they never quite sound like a guitar. But if you modeled the thing properly and the body of it properly, you should be able to get that frequency-supporting 
vibe that you get with the body of the instrument that kind of well, surely, sure, I mean, surely, aren't we into the situation whereby you can use the, the, some sort of hybrid instrument where you use the samples for the bit that's, you know, the, the attack well, portion, and then the, then the rest is modelled and it well, kind that, of... That's sort of a latter-day D50, isn't it? I suppose, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, now, as relates to this Chinese sheng, Chinese sheng I think that's how you say it. A party, a three thousand year old partying partying instrument. Let me say right now that it doesn't look a day over two thousand nine hundred and fifty. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as but as we consider this thing, um, I I suppose that there must be a an enormous range of indigenous instruments with which I am completely unfamiliar because. Lord knows I'd never seen one of these before, though I have seen something vaguely like it from Thailand, which leads me to believe that it, uh, my almost entire body of instrument knowledge is based around Western classical tradition and jazz and then electronics. Yeah, and then almost anything that exists outside of that or something that you stretch a skin over and hit, I'm probably not going to know that much about. Now, in this case, it's funny. Uh, there was this Thai instrument that, I met a woman who had spent a bunch of time there. I think it was either Thai or Laotian, but I'm pretty sure it was Thai. And it, we used to joke that it looked like a package of long bamboo drinking straws drawn together with holes in the middle, and you could play different pitches by allowing the wind into these various drinking straws, bamboo drinking straws. And this thing has a certain bamboo drinking straws kind of... This looks like you stuck a whole bunch of bamboo drinking straws of different lengths into a large bowl. <laughs> And put a and put a mouth <laughs> at one end of the thing, and and you obviously trigger the wind in the, into these various resonating chambers to make the sound of the thing. And uh, I'm fascinated, fascinated by this. And is there any end to the desire to model these things? Not for me. Do I have a tremendous amount of use in my daily work for this? No, probably not. No, yeah. Nice to know. <laughs> nice to know that it's out there. Yeah, and well, if I if I have to go to any three thousand year old parties, I'll know exactly what to you bring. Know what to bring? Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, um, funny you should say that, but I, I know that uh, when I went to the Roland V piano demonstration, there was a uh, a presentation at the beginning from the the, the, the head honcho at Roland. I forget his name um, immediately, um, but he was um, showing us. They they brought out. I can't remember the name of the instrument, but it's the little one string kind of Chinese violin. And they've created um, a virtual model, one of those. You know, it's a, it's a modelled one, which has a string and everything, but the whole thing is is actually synthesised or modelled in electronics. And um, that's apparently doing really, really well and moving, you know, it's emerging markets, I guess, because it's a totally, you know, uh, unfamiliar instrument to me as a Westerner, but it's a massive, it's it's huge in China and the, and the Far East. The so, instrument you're referring to, Nick, is called an Erhu? Erhu, that's right, yes. Yep. Yeah, I think um, um, Kong Audio make an Airhu as well, don't they? They do, and they make, I think, probably the best one out there. And um, my my introduction to these instruments is only a few years old. I started getting into having to reproduce some some world music cues for people, and I started getting very into it and uh, found that initially the, the amount of recordings of some of these instruments, uh, the Airhu being an exception, is limited. Uh, you know, you go out and you try to find traditional oud players and that kind of thing. And, and for a while, it was very, very, which is which is a stringed instrument from the Middle East that's sort of ubiquitous yeah. in uh, traditional music from the Middle East. It was it was difficult to find, but now you're finding more and more and more of these sort of folk heroes from all around the world being recorded by uh, you know people in their own countries and and 
musical anthropologists and people that are you know just interested in preserving this these traditions well, that's kind of like what nick phoenix is doing with the uh, silk i mean uh, i don't know if very you saw similar. the i think we discussed the interview i did with him at nam and he was really forthcoming very generous with his kind of background information uh, about the whole making of that thing and and just the the as as the recording technology is being brought to some of these people also they're, they're these kind of masters of these instruments they're hearing them and the nuances in recorded form for the first time at, at that kind of quality. So the- now what, one thing that I find interesting is that something that rich brought up as a, you know, the strengths and limitations of sampling. And one of the strengths yet a limitation of sampling is when you, when you sample an instrument like, like the air who, or I would imagine this, um, the Shang, is it called the, the Chinese flute, yeah. the gourd flute, um, <clears throat> you capture the articulation of the performer and you have uh, the ability to then integrate that into your performance as a as a keyboard player. I'm assuming if you're using a keyboard controller or a wind controller, whatever you're using. And I think that makes a lot of difference. And the problem, as I see it, with some of these modeled instruments is a problem of translation, a problem of of really trying to integrate the playing technique and the articulation technique into the modeled instrument so that it comes across convincing as say a keyboard player. It's a little easier to do with a piano as, as far as the translation of the technique, because it's a, one it's a keyboard one. keyboard. Yeah. 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 But it's very difficult to do with say an instrument like, like a duduk, which is an Armenian flute. It's a, uh, it's an instrument that has an extreme articulation range. You're able to do all kinds of crazy things depending on how you move your lip, how you you know breathe air into this instrument. And I think it's mm-hmm. it's it's a little more difficult to do as a as a keyboard oh, player. Yeah. yeah, even with even with samples, any instrument with the, typically instruments that are blown into yep. uh, have extraordinarily wide articulation ranges, as PJ suggests, and. Uh, they're hard to do it no matter whether it's a sample or a model or anything. I understand because the interface that, as you point out, doesn't necessarily suit that level of articulation variety. Mm. Pianos don't have that. Keyboards in <laughs> I'm general just th- don't I'm have just that. thinking of the Shakuhachi sample, which is like one. <laughs> I mean, the Shakuhachi, for instance, is a very expressive instrument. And that one kind of, you know, sledgehammer kind of sample was the <laughs> well, only really the, the only thing that we know about it the whole of that kind of that and that is a really ancient instrument you know bamboo flute <laughs> well the whole the one- aspect of breathing in music going back to no doubt gregorian chant and beforehand um is very interesting and in the i think one of the most exciting things about seeing people playing wind instruments together is everybody in the room starts to breathe together yeah Oh, I see. No, I hadn't thought of that. They synchronize. And choral performances as well. If you find yourself into the music, you'll you'll almost subconsciously start breathing where they do. Yep. It, 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 certainly, they're all breathing together. And if the audience is anything like the <laughs> wet job that I am, then you find yourself, catch yourself along the way, starting to breathe with them. Do you think and that's... It, as, is that the sign of a good um, of a good virtual instrument, then, if you start to... To, to breathe, breathe with it <laughs> <laughs> not so much when i'm playing a keyboard not even the new one i, no. I think we'll have to put that in the uh, the hyperbolic ad copy for some of these virtual instruments you so real you'll start to breathe with it yeah 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 man that's what's yeah. exciting about seeing choral concerts to me lately yeah oh, okay um but while we're on the subject were we of keyboard controllers i should mention that i got a new one this week uh-huh Ooh. Um, I had been 
uh, using my Novation Remote SL since I got it a couple of years ago and kept hoping that it, that somewhere between them contributing usable templates and me wanting to, I would want to use all that stuff on it because Lord knows there's a ton of stuff on it. You know, sure. pants, knobs, buttons, yeah. faders. Yeah. And across two and a half years, I've hardly touched the thing other than to play the keyboard on it. And what bugs me about playing the keyboard on it is it doesn't have proper pitch and mod wheels. It's got some other completely, you know, newfangled and wacky, you know, and much more versatile, you know, scenario on the left hand, but not the thing that I'm used to operating. And so ultimately, I found myself not using the thing. And I came across a demo by somebody who was lovingly referred to recently to me as the Domed Avenger. <laughs> 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 which would be Phil Jackson, the Digi M audio guy of their new Axiom Pro series. And the thing I'm sure everybody by now knows about me is I use Pro Tools quite a bit in my work. And the level of integration between that Novation thing and Pro Tools was so lame that I never even bothered hooking it up. All I would use it for was to edit virtual instruments, if that. And basically all I'm doing is rolling the filter and res knobs and maybe a little enveloping here and there. Uh-huh. Um and I got the Axiom 6 Pro, Axi- their new series, Axiom Pro. Yeah, it's Pro a different 60. one. It's the white one, isn't it? They're white. With, it's white, uh, yeah. and it features something they call Hyper Control, which is an, in, uh, a sort of a protocol that goes between it and, at the very least, Pro Tools that allows uh, each to be updating the other. Not in the sense of having motorized faders. But, but yes, yeah, dual, dual bidirectional of, control. And, yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah, and uh, I finally got it working yesterday. Did uh-huh. take a while. It took me and an M Audio guy like hours on the phone. Really? Well, yeah, I had a problem that he ob- obviously hadn't previously encountered or couldn't identify. And in the end, it, and I mean, we in the end we'd gone around the world three times to go around the corner for a pack of gum in terms of solving the problem. But if that's the path you take to solving the problem, I'm just glad this the problem solved. But it, in the end, it works, and uh, it's actually quite. Pretty cool. Are you using it to uh, replace key commands and stuff then as well, or even is it? Too you can, early? you can. I'm, I will. Uh, I'll get to that level of personal integration with the Axiom, but I'm impressed with the Axiom's level of integration with the Pro Tools that I use. I'm not sure if I would find it more effective than the Novation for certain other things. The thing about the Novation is it's got more stuff. It's got more controls. It's got more you know, different ways. It, it's just got, there, there's a whole lot of stuff, but when I look at it, it looks like a jump, a jungle, a, a, a meaningless cluster of controls that I can't quite identify most of the times based on what's in those little scribble strips. Right. And, and, uh, I know for some people it's a preferable interface and it will work fantastically well. You know, it's not a bad product. It just doesn't suit me that well. And even though there are far fewer controls on this Axiom product, the way they're laid out makes me want to use them. Right. So you're finding that you're kind of getting more out. How do you find the keyboard? Uh, It's okay. The, the, the keyboard action on the Novation is probably tighter, more controlled, a little springier and more, organ-like, electric organ-like. Right. Not, you know, it's like a synth keyboard, proper. Yeah. yeah, but real good and tight. I, it, w- the one thing I wish I... Well, I'm not even sure I wish I could transplant it, because yesterday I was playing the M-Audio using a model piano and uh, really enjoying the experience. It, it, I mean, it's a little, you know, it's not the 88-weighted keys of my dreams, but it's it's okay. They're both okay, and the Novation's probably a little better, but they're fine. 
they're all mm. they'll be all right. Well, interesting. So that's my armchair. Your new purchase. I'm just trying to think if I purchased anything. I haven't really had much luck with purchasing this week. Um, well, I, I don't purchase very often, apart from the Waldorf Attack um, Waldorf Edition, which I got, which I'm quite pleased with. Well, guys, um, I think we maybe have released, reached the end. I think Wolfram Alpha, which was in the show notes just by mm. default, uh, will leave to kind of continue on its uh, bumbling yeah. search engine kind of way. But uh, suffice well, I, saw, s- I saw some media about that thing this week. You did? Like, from Alpha? Yeah. yeah. I it, saw it mentioned on TV. Yeah, it's got really good press. Yeah. It's kind of boffin creates search engine that's computational. PJ, you, cool. have you tried it? Yeah, it's pretty cool. It works I, for a lot to... of things, but also it doesn't work for a lot of things. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, it, it needs uh, it needs to be worked out a little bit, but I think it's uh, I think it's great. I mean, along you know, with all that information available to everybody, it's it's great that somebody's been able to kind of come up with a syntactic device to uh, impart some meaning on our searches. I think it's good for finding out people's birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Apparently, as well. I like that you uh, you searched for 97 BPM. That's fantastic. Yeah, well, it, it, it kind of handles... What did it give me for 97 BPM? Uh, unit conversions, which is 1.617 hertz. Um, it's 97 CPM cycles per second. Um, one beat is 618 milliseconds. But yeah, I could do with a few more musical conversions. It could be quite useful for a delay engine and stuff. Although none of us really need delay engines anymore, do we? Do you ever find yourself reaching for that piece of paper which had all the beat divisions and millisecond settings anymore, Rich? I used to do it in my head. Did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good for you. 60,000 divided by beats per minute. Or beats per minute uh, it's never been the same since tap tempo. we've gotten lazy it's like presets yeah absolutely (laughs) well um, yeah we'll check out wolfram alpha and um, uh, before we go i'd like to say uh congratulations to mark jx 8p who's in the chat room who's just bought a uh, dope for dark energy be looking forward to hearing what you think about that and um i'll say thank you to everybody else in the chat room um past and present i know some people have been dipping in and out because it's time to go to work and time to stop work and all that thing sonicstate.com forward slash live remember next week if you want to join us uh we'll be back at the usual time of 4 p.m and also thank you very much to my local guests from the other side of the pond i'm in the minority here but uh, thank you to <laughs> rich hilton for joining us quite welcome i love that local from the other side of the pond that's like we went it's like we went to different schools together yeah but it's it, the sound quality is really good this week i think skype must have had some sort of a someone's been tinkering with the the uh the tape bias or something it sounds a lot better a skypiphany a skypiphany yeah nice <laughs> rich hilton myspace.com forward slash hiltonius and that other voice you heard there and have been hearing is pj tracy pj tracy music.com thank you for joining us too pj Thank you so much for having us. This week's show was brought to you by Roland.co.uk and Loopmasters.com. So thanks very much. That was Sonic Talk number 131. That's it.